Welcome to the latest Pink Podcast in the Pink Elephant Podcast Series, dedicated to leading the way in IT management best practices. Welcome to part one of how to take ITIL processes beyond a maturity level of control. My name's Gary Case. I'm an executive consultant with Pink Elephant. Um, as a part of my role, I work with organizations, usually at a steering committee, program manager level, project manager level, director, executive sponsor, helping organizations create their strategy around developing and implementing ITIL processes. Uh, I usually work in larger organizations where then we would have a group of other consultants who would be working with design teams, again, advising them on process design. And one of the things that we always struggle with is how mature do we really want to have our process? And in our language, which you'll see here pretty soon, you know, we would want to get that at a control level. So I have had numerous years of experiences, and some have been good experiences, and some have been bad experiences that you've worked in organizations. And so that's what I want to try to do today, along with Brian, I'll let him introduce himself, is try to help guide you around if you want to move your processes to a certain maturity level where you're just not at a, uh, at a defined level in the CMM model or in the manage or in the control of what we call it, uh, but move it past that, what has to take place? Because what you want to start doing is that these things should be thought about. If you're just starting your journey, this should be part of what you're doing as part of your program and project management is to build these as activities you need to pursue. They don't happen automatically. They need to be scheduled, planned, resourced. And then you can go on ahead and go down the path. Brian, you want to introduce sure, yourself? Sure, yeah. My name is Brian Price, senior consultant with Pink Elephant. My background more and what I do most often is I focus more on the education end of the Pink Elephant business. For the last three years, I've been doing virtually all of our training courses, right from the essentials course to the practitioner courses we have, the clustered ones today with incident problem, service desk, as well as change release and config, as well as the service managers course. So I get involved in that. For those of you who have um, managed to survive the service managers course, you know what that one is like. Uh, one of the challenges I always have with people is when we get into any training like that and in that training environment, they're all assuming that we have to go from where we are to a maturity level of three right away. And they're thinking, you know, how quickly can we get there? And I've had people come in with, well, we're doing 10 processes and we want to get them done this year. And the worst case was I had one person was doing all 10 processes and they wanted to do them this month. And they picked the month of February, shortest month going. So uh, by the end of the course, luckily they had woken up and realized that that probably wasn't very practical. But one of the things I always do stress with them is to start thinking about what Gary was saying is you may not want to get to, you know, beyond level three into level four very quickly, but you've got to start thinking that way from day one. You can start doing some integration activities right off the bat. So that's one of the things we're going to talk about today, and we're going to go through um, as much as we can in the time allowed to us to let you learn as much as you can about how to get there and what sort of a path to take. What we want to talk about is really the difference between the two models that we look at. It's just to set the stage, because from that point on, everything would apply no matter what. This is uh, the typical maturity model that Pink has used over the years. And so you may have uh, heard us always talk about get to a control level. So get out of the awareness and initiation and get into control where things are formalized and they're repeatable. You have visible results. You have the documentation. Uh, you have uh, active rather than reactive uh, things happening out there. 
you do formal planning around uh, your process, and you go on ahead and you have your tasks and authorities uh, documented again, roles and responsibilities. So that's been pretty much the model that we have worked on. And so when uh, we first way back started talking about this conference, it was about control. And then we decided, well, wait a minute, uh, because we're moving our model, which makes sense. And so he says, we want to be in alignment with everyone else in the industry. There's no reason for us to be any exception whatsoever. And so we wanted to be in alignment. And so what we have now moved into is the true CMM, initial, repeatable, redefined, managed, and optimized. And really what you find is if you want to kind of link out, you're going to find from the control process, it's going to be part defined, part managed is the way that it, it goes through. And so if you look about the initial, some of the characteristics, it's a like, lack of a high-level understanding. So people kind of get it, but they really don't have a true understanding of the high level up there of what that process is about. The staff is performing things, but they do it on maybe an ad hoc type basis, yeah. you know, as need be. Uh, oftentimes this is where things, you know, start happening in an organization and somebody yells at somebody who then yells at somebody else and you know how that goes. And pretty soon somebody has to do something, okay? It's on an as-needed type basis. You also have then the repeatable. It's the commitment to the process is evident through documentation, but there's no formal communication, no real training that's involved there. And uh, it's really on the individual because it's still the hero type status. Yes, I'm going to follow the process because it, it is at a repeatable type process, but it is not moving uh, consistently across the organization. You're defined as really as a characteristics. It's formalized, it's documented, it's understood, and adherence is left to the individual. It's still an individual at this point. It's defined, managed as now you have attention to compliance. Okay? And that's where you get into the difference. Is it's now, it's a governance issue, it's a compliance issue, and it's being managed at that level. And then optimized is really, it's matured to the point, uh, they reference other uh, processes. You have your automated workflows, all of that type of stuff. So this is a very high level. This is not a CMM course, and I don't want it to be. But that's what we're looking at. So really what we're saying is whether you're using a CMM model or you know the pink model, because maybe we've done assessments for you or you've read some literature or whatever, we're talking about that three in the pink model and between a three and a four in this particular model, okay? So when we look at it, the challenges of getting to what I would call a managed level now, so I've taken a, I've driven a stake in the ground and say, okay, if we want to look to get to managed, what are some of the challenges that we have that we're going to have to deal with? First off, there is a lack of governance and compliance. What happens in many organizations is they spend a lot of money and a lot of time developing, documenting, and implementing a process but they never think about what happens when the process goes live and it really now resides in a production environment, okay? So now it's operational. Who's responsible for that? During the program and the projects, we clearly knew who was responsible for all the activities because that was called out. But projects end. We move the process into a production environment. It's just like any kind of a release. There needs to be a governance on the operations side that is going to be managing the processes. And compliance is a big piece to that. Because I can build the best processes and I can have the best technology that is out there, but if I do not have the discipline 
to follow the process and use the technology appropriately, then it's going to be a true challenger. There's no thought on continuous improvement. Okay, They think this happens magically, and it does not happen magically within any organization. Continuous improvement has to be planned, scheduled, and resourced. My belief is it's just like any other project. You have to have roles and responsibilities. You have to have policies. You have to have documentation. You have to do it, just like any other kind of a process. And it has to be planned as a part of the program and projects that it gets implemented your continuous service improvement programs get implemented when you move stuff over into the uh, production world and your processes are uh, going forward. Tools don't support getting beyond a level of defined. Okay, We have limitations with our tools, and I'm sure there's no one in this room that has any limitation to the tool and support of their processes today. Because I'm sure it's perfect in every organization represented here. Okay, Well, we all know that there are limitations. And if you're not going to invest the money as you're managing your program to, uh, again, support any tool requirements that you define. And remember, your tool requirements are not just from your process per se, but it's about your management reporting requirements that drive tool requirements that you have to be able to take a look at. So if you have limited tool capability, that by itself can hinder your ability to integrate processes, use input-output, link incidents to problems, incidents to changes, to be able to use knowledge, to be able to go on ahead and uh, assess a, a configuration management database to understand the risk assessment, impact assessment, or cost assessments for requests for changes, all of these areas that you run into. So challenges that we have on that. Brian? Yeah, yeah from a tool perspective, too, one of the things um, I've seen dramatically over the last three years since I've been working with Pink Elephant in this area is we used to come out and talk very clearly up front is that, you know, ITIL's tool independent. Yeah. You don't need a tool to do it. I mean, I wouldn't even think to say that today. But luckily for us, luckily for all of you in here, the tool vendors were all over this stuff, way up front of most organizations. They were in it right at the forefront with um, almost at the same time Pink Elephant really got into this. The tools that are available today are incredible. Out-of-the-box compatibility, out-of-the-box configurable to let you do what we're talking about here. Three, four, five years ago, we didn't. You'd have to have multiple tools. We, we would always also say never even think about a tool until you designed your processes. That's no longer the case because no. the vendor community has matured so much that uh, there is a lot of stuff out of the box that can support basic ITIL uh, workflows, activities, et cetera. That's there. I'm not saying all of them. You have to no. do some research and investigation. Yeah. Also, how do we end up missing? It starts in the beginning. They only see and they only think about their program being responsible for designing to a certain level of maturity. And as Brian said earlier, is that you, you can't, that's your, your first phase goal, but you should be thinking about a longer term goal. In other words, some organizations have very specifically says, I'm not going to design processes to integrate with each other. Major mistake. I think when you start off, you have to start identifying the touch points, the integration points, the relationship points between the different processes. Even if you do not implement the integration, you know what the stubs are. You don't have to go back and redevelop your process documentation when you want to start looking at it. And folks, by default, you better be integrating some basic things right off the bat. Okay? And if you're not doing that, I think it's a huge risk. And... Uh, so get your strategic thinking out there. Look with, the, with your program managers, your project managers, and your process design teams, 
and make sure that they're looking at this on an ongoing basis. Otherwise, you're going to run into some real problems and have to go back and rework stuff. Build your stubs in or whatever you want to call them for the integration points, and then don't be shy about integrating certain activities of different processes. First things we always would want to talk about is often incident and change management. First two processes, probably 95% of every organization rolls out, and yet do you know how many organizations today can tell me how many incidents are change-related? No. Okay? Because they don't have integration. They don't think about that. And typically when I work in an organization and I go back and I'm starting, when I used to do more hands-on type stuff, I'd always look at the major incidents and typically eight out of ten major incidents were always caused by changes that had failed in the organization. You ought to be able to link changes to incidents as a pure bottom line, out of the box, do it and get it done. And so that we have that ability that we can now trend against it, report against it, uh, especially if you start seeing that you have the same business unit that is always creating these change failures, that's creating all the incidents, then you can talk about that. You don't understand the whole strategic uh, technology picture. Uh, I worked with one organization, and I always tell stories. I never name the organizations, uh, but, you know, I, I tell stories because I think they're learning. And a huge organization, they says, we're doing incident and problem with this technology, okay, this vendor. I says, well, what about change? What about service level? And what about config? Because they were doing all five processes at the same time. But we don't know about that. And I says, you better start knowing about that. You're having the vendor to come in and do a demo on incident and change, or excuse me, incident and problem. I says, you better have that vendor today tell you what they can do to support change, what they can do to support config and service level because you need to make a strategic decision about your technology. This is called service management. It is not called an individual process. And service management takes that holistic view of the tool. And you need to have that view, and that's why you have your service management tool suites today that are modularized so that you can continue to build on uh, to your tool suite for the integration purposes that are out there. Thank you for listening to part one of How to Take ITIL Processes Beyond a Maturity Level of Control with Gary Case and Brian Price. Please join us in the new year for part two.